All right. I'm going to start with an illustration that I read of here uh, in a book called Uneclipsing the Sun. And it has to do with remembering when the old Martian movies came out and the Martian TV shows. There's a bit of a interest in that. Uh, I don't know why it isn't anymore. Maybe it's because of the discovery they made. <laughs> Nothing's there. <laughs> but um, anyway, there's an interesting connection to that. And here it is. Um, at the turn of the last century, the world's most distinguished astronomer was named Sir Percival Lowell. He was esteemed for his study of the solar system and had a particular fascination with Mars. He was certain that he had determined that there were canals on the surface of the red planet and that these canals were proof of intelligent life there. The balance of his life then was spent squinting through a giant telescope in Arizona, mapping the channels and canals that he saw. He was so uh, esteemed, his teaching gained wide acceptance. Since that time, our space probes have orbited Mars and even landed on its surface. The entire planet has been mapped and no one has even seen any one canal. It is now assumed that Percival Lowell had a rare eye disease, which is now called Lowell's Syndrome, which makes a person see their own bulging blood vessels from their own eye. So, an interesting little uh, picture for us. Seeing through our own eyes and uh, perceiving what we think is going on, and yet missing it, not, not getting it, Okay? And I, over the years of being involved in ministry down in Southern California and up here in Northern Nevada, I've seen it come up, not all the time, but frequently, where Christian folks are in need of counseling, they're in need of really standing firm, they're needing stability in their faith. And so... The message this morning is, uh, I guess, reflective of this, what I've seen over the years, and, and, a, and a passage that I, I think is so very basic and yet so very helpful for each and every one of us. And so I've entitled this message, How to Stand Firm in the Lord. That sounds like a good old Christian phrase, doesn't it? Let me tell you how to stand firm in the Lord. <laughs> well, I, I'm not, I've not made it yet. I'm still learning myself. I think all of us have to understand that. We're still learning. It's not like any one of you have made it. And you're the, you know, you're the epitome of that. Uh, standing firm in the Lord. But I tell you what, our... Our friend, the Apostle Paul, sure had learned about it. And we want to hear from him this morning. 
I want to share this uh, quote from author and pastor Rick Holland. He says this, Internal struggles, emotional instability, upsetting doubts, these are really theological problems disguised as earthly troubles. Wrong thinking about Jesus and the salvation he offers will metastasize into a debilitating soul cancer. These disorders in our souls are directly related to our understanding or misunderstanding of eternal life. And he he's one who has put into words what I've kind of you know, floated around. I, I, I appreciate what he said here. The problems that we have, I, I really believe, and some will say it's oversimplifying, but I believe for Christians, it's due to not understanding things from the Word of God. And that's not to suggest that, you know, well, I don't have this problem, so I have a better, deeper understanding than you. I, I, don't, I want to avoid that kind of uh, connection here this morning. Because we all have our difficulties. We all struggle with things that we get hit with in life. But the, the more that you connect your, yourself to the, the truths of God in His Word, the more you can have God's perspective then in following through in how He, he would have you to respond. So, again, I, I just, I think, I end up thinking of Job. It's not like Job, you know, with, with all that happened to him, it's not like he, you know, had it all together following all the things that took place. He struggled also. So, I want us to turn in, turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and take today's time and next week's time and consider this topic, how to stand firm in the Lord. We start at Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Um, we, we need, uh, here we have, we just jumped right in to Philippians 4 verse 1. But take a moment and turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you have to turn back or if it's on the same page. We have to consider the context here. Verse 20. In chapter 3, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren 
whom I long to see, my joy and crown. So stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Did you hear something a little extra there? My beloved? My beloved? He's repeated it. If you're a Christian, you know, this is addressed to you, my beloved. Because you're in the beloved. By faith in Jesus Christ, you have been placed into the body of Christ. All sorts of different names of that, you know, we call it salvation. The Bible says you, then you've been baptized into Christ. Meaning you've been placed into the body of Christ. You're now a part of the accepted of God. You're the beloved. And Paul uses that term. Well, I believe that what we have here in chapter 4 is one of the most practical uh, unveilings of, of counsel for Christians that we could find in the, in the New Testament. It is so helpful. And I, I wish, I, I'm the kind of person that it's like, I want to fix things, you know, with, with relationships and people. <laughs> I've been, you know, I've learned a long time ago, I can't do that all. <laughs> That's kind of an idealistic thought, you know. But I can't help but just keep coming back to this passage, this text, of how it will help people if they just will simply follow the steps given. And there are practical steps. There's, I believe, six practical steps to help us to learn how to stand firm in the Lord. Okay? Now, can you imagine sitting there in the congregation, wherever it was in the house or where, you know, the, at, at the Philippi church and uh, hearing this word and, and then, you know, so stand firm in the Lord, beloved. And then all of a sudden, you hear your name pop up. He singles out these two gals. Can you imagine that? It wasn't broadcast on the radio, but it was read. It was read out loud. There it is. I, I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Okay, so we don't want to read into this way too much here, but what was their problem? They obviously weren't agreeing in the Lord. They needed encouragement and he was being very balanced in it by saying i urge or i entreat or i encourage euodia and syntyche come on you know just get along no he said it to both i encourage you and i encourage you agree lord so here's our first step about standing firm in the lord is to live in harmony live in harmony And by the way, before I get any further, in verse 1, to stand firm, that verb there is, is a, an imperative. It's not just thrown out there, I hope you do this. No, it's a command. It's, a, it's an imperative. Stand firm in the Lord. And, and that's, if you're a Christian, that's one of your responsibilities. You, you need to say, ah, I've got to respond to that and learn how to do it. Okay? So, first step, though, is to live in harmony. And harmony 
is the word phreneo, which is a word, all that I'm saying that for is to bring out the idea. It's referring to your mind that you think the right way, that you set your mind in the same pattern. You, You have the same mind. Now, that does, you know, again, we don't mean that all of you have to think, you know, like your pastor or like the elders or, you know, no, we think, you know, as here we are, individuals, but we think along the same terms of the fundamentals of the faith, right? We agree on those things. So, and I, I just love it. You know, here's a, a great example. Carl and Sarah singing their song this morning. Um, they, they didn't both sing the melody. One sang what? Harmony. And it's a beautiful mix. You know? Um, all it, you know, there's times where I get tired of singing the melody. I want to sing harmony. <laughs> I want to, you know, but, you know, it, it's th- that kind of a thinking. It, it's making music. Practically speaking, in your life, you're making music. You're, you're living in harmony. Um, it's not discord. Thinking in, in musical terms, you know, some of the music the majority of us grew up with was discord. <laughs> it wasn't in harmony. And that's the picture he's bringing for us. And we do so, we live in harmony by simply helping. Look at verse 3. Indeed, true comrade, true companion, help these women. Help. Help. Simple term. Now, looking that word up, that verb, to help these women, that word is, is um, the idea of taking hold of. You're taking hold of something. And the King James and the New International Version use true yoke fellow, which gives a clearer meaning here to help them by taking hold of. So if you're a yoke fellow, what does it look like you're doing? You're yoked with somebody else. You, you've got that, that wooden bar that you're, you're kind of yoked to with somebody else. And you're, what are you doing? Yoked to this other person. The idea is that, like the picture from agriculture, you know, the farm and all. You're pulling together. You're not doing your own thing and yanking around the smaller guy. Come on, you're just going my way. No, you're yoked together with people in service, in ministry, and you're pulling together. Simple. Simple helping. Okay? And immediately, in this first step, live in harmony, we're directed to something very, very practical. Notice, as opposed to going with one how feel, one, with how one feels, Going by your emotions, believers are exhorted to stand firm in the Lord by thinking, not by feelings. The word, again, goes back to here's, here's what's in your mind. You're going to live in harmony, meaning you're going to be thinking the same thoughts here, thinking the same things. And this is one of the areas, my friend, where... A lot of us get off track because we don't go by our thoughts. 
we more we go more by our feelings. Okay? So by thinking, by setting your mind in agreement, you take hold, helping, you take hold of the gospel cause and you pull together. That's the idea. Simple ways. Even in seemingly insignificant ways. You know, the, what Jesus said, giving out a cup of, of cold water in my name. You know, simple things of help and encouragement. That helps in the body. Can you imagine, again, not trying to read into too much with Yodia and Syntyche, but, the, you know, what might have flared up there. And some of the things that help relieve that ends up being things that are just practical, simple, encouraging ways with one another. Okay? It's the encouragement that is provided. Okay? Look at, look at Hebrews. Keep your finger there in Philippians chapter 4 and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And you can just mark this verse down, uh, listen to it. If you're turning there, follow along. Hebrews 3, verse 13. But encourage one another day after day, as long as is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. A simple, encouraging word to those that you live with and to those who you serve with here in the local church. Okay? Also, as long as you're in Hebrews, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 and look at verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. One version says, Pursue peace with all men. Another version puts it this way. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. There's the similarity there of living in harmony. You live in harmony. Think about that. Is there someone in your life that you think is causing discord? And actually one of the the good things to do is to just keep asking God, you know, is it me? Is it something that I've done? Do I need to look at my own self in the mirror and consider what I need to do to change? Over the years, that's something that I think we see, we see in ministry is that it's, it's more a matter of what can I do? I, I'm not going to change another person by lecturing them but I need to pray. I need to ask God for help and wisdom in being a, a good example. If the opportunity comes up to talk and dialogue, good. And uh, where that comes from a lot is back at home <laughs> when the kids were at home. I was convinced that I could lecture them and they would see my side. So if you have any need and help with that, come and see me. <laughs> it didn't work, really. I frustrated the kids in that regard. And so what's better is be an example and live in harmony. Learn to sing harmony. 
Yeah, you guys that keep coming up to me and say, I can't sing. Uh, <laughs> in, in life, though, you know what I'm saying? In life, live in harmony. Okay? Step number two, we keep going back to Philippians chapter 4. And if it's, this is, folks, if this is something you're thinking, hey, you know, I understand this, I get this, I'm glad, but sit here and listen anyway. (laughs) And let's let it sink in again. Step number two is, verse four, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. So live joyfully. Live joyfully. And it's by choosing. Simply stated. It's simply by choosing it. Do you understand what you have in Christ being a Christian? Because if you don't, you need to start learning and growing in what Christ has done for you. And there ought to be joy to understand what you, ha- what you were, you know, without Christ. You're bent on hell. You are headed to hell. And my friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, that's your destination. That's not my, my, uh, something that I've made up here or any other pastors made up. It's from the Word of God. Jesus talked about hell. He warned people about hell. And you need to be warned about hell so that you won't end up there. Okay? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your sins will be forgiven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have a relationship with God the Father. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and there will be an awareness now of spiritual things. You'll have a a mind, the mind of Christ now. He'll, he'll enlighten you. He'll show you these truths in, in the Word of God. But we, we live joyfully by choosing so. Choosing the joy that He's given in salvation. And you look at the last part of verse 3. What does it say there? And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. See, when you come to faith in Christ, there's your name. It's, it's there. There it is in the book of life. And so when the books are opened, <laughs> your name will be there. Okay. It's, listen, joyful, living joyfully is the choice of heaven. Mark down Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. It's the choice of heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us it's the choice of Jesus who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of God the Father. It was his choice. Remember he prayed? Remove this cup from me, Father. The Father didn't remove it. And 
Christ had set his face like flint. Set his face like stone to go and do what he had to do. And that brought joy. There is joy in that. Okay. It was the choice of Paul in prison with Silas. Getting beaten up, getting put in prison. And what do they end up doing at midnight? Singing and praising God. Can you imagine what that singing was like? And did they make harmony maybe? We don't know. But they were singing and praising God. And it's not like, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear guys, you know, oh, I'm so happy, 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 happy. No. They were singing and what? Praising God. (laughs) All right, so... It was choi- it's the choice of heaven. It's the choice of Jesus. It's the choice of Paul in prison. And even the book of Philippians, written you know, by Paul as a prisoner of Rome. And what do we see over and over in, in Philippians? Joy. Joy. Mark down Old Testament reference, Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18. Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. But you know what? If I listen to my society that I live in, the society that I live in is filled to the brim with other kinds of advice. Right? Here's a a simple quote that I got off of this gal's website. Her name is uh, Dr. Niedermeyer. She's a life coach. She's an international speaker. She's an inspirational speaker. She's an author. She's a doctor. And she tells you that the power to create change in your life exists solely inside you. So seek your truth just for today. Promise yourself that you will do your best to honor and bless yourself. Now, that's one example of a score of thousands of others that's saying it's all about who? You. And most of you understand that's dangerous teaching. That's dangerous theology. It's not theology because it's more me-ology. So don't get caught up in that. You discern it. You read it. You be alert to it. It's out there even under the guise of Christianity. She wasn't saying anything about Christians anything about Christ, but there are those who will. They're, they're a, a pastor. They're a, a Bible teacher. And they're talking about youism, Meism. They're not talking about theology. They're not talking about, you know, the, the warnings of Scripture here. It's a choice, all right? Joy. If you're a Christian, it's a choice. What kind of medicine, if we're talking about needing help, what kind of medicine are you taking in your life? And no wonder it's that so many people are depressed because the medicine they're taking is more about themselves than about God, than about Jesus, than about getting right with God, than about repenting, than about having faith. Okay? 
and we, we swallow the pills that the world gives us and we end up more depressed. Mark down Psalm 37. Another reference here. Psalm 37. And we're not going to look it up, but Psalm 37 just says, hey, if you want joy, do not fret. Trust the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord and rest in the Lord. You want joy? Get to know Psalm 37 because it's pointing you to Jesus. The more we get to know the Word of God, the more there's going to be a, a resource of a spring of joy flowing up within our hearts. So joy is based really in what? If you think back to Jesus, who who for the joy set before him, what did he do? He gave his life for you. So true joy is really based in what? In giving. In giving to those that really can't give back. That's a concept. Let, Let the Spirit of God run with that in your life. Wow. What joy we'd be see, you know, we would see popping up in the lives of people all over the place. Okay? So, live in harmony. Live joyfully. Okay? And then, third, live gracefully. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It's also translated, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Forbearing means gentleness or sweet reasonableness. It's the idea of gracefulness in your life. Now, I'm not very graceful. I can trip and fall, you know, that kind of thing. But in your heart, in your mind, in your attitudes, are you graceful? Thinking in that way. How do we do it? By yielding. By yielding. Okay? You give way to it. See, all this is, when it comes down to it in in your life, it's a matter of saying, I want my way, and thus Euodia or Syntyche popped up with their agenda, possibly, and didn't see eye to eye. Okay? And so... Here, it's a matter of yielding and letting the, what's already in you, what's already in you, if you know the Lord Jesus, grace is abounding. It's supposed to be abounding. Live by grace. And let it spill over to other people, right? And the idea is that he's saying this in such a way that is implying Strongly implying that you already have it. Yeah? You already have this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Allow it be. You know, yield it in this way. Show it. And here, what we see is, you know, think of it. If we're supposed to live gracefully, what would be the opposite? Living with resentment. Right? Living more with it on the edge of I'm going to get my way and maybe even being vengeful, you know, taking it another step. We haven't done anything like that, have we? Good. 
Way to go. <laughs> no, but we, we think those thoughts, and maybe sometimes we, we do, even carry them out and do them. God have mercy on us. Live gracefully by yielding to the outpouring of grace in your life from the Lord Jesus. Mark this reference down and giving you a lot of references. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sake He became, what? Poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. And this is what Jesus talked about to the twelve disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, where He says to them, Freely you have received, freely give. Give grace to others. Don't give your griping to others. You know, when you follow these kind of steps, you're going to see that your life will be full of joy. It's going to, it'll be that way because the Lord Jesus is going to be glorified in these kind of steps. Now, the Lord is at hand. He says that in this verse. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Some uh, translate that in different ways. Um, Like the Lord is coming and he's near coming. But I believe that when the church, Paul is referring to these ladies in church ministry and it's about the Lord being near us now in church ministry and living for Christ and honoring Christ in our lives. So think of that and highlight that in your minds. Because He is near, now fill in the blanks. Because He is near. You know, sometimes people pray, Oh Lord, please be with us. Does that make sense? When you contemplate what the believer has in salvation? The Spirit of God is where? Within you. The Spirit of... It's, your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit who you have from God. It's not about this building. It's about your life, my life as believers. The Holy Spirit resides within you. But the problem is we, we do too much grieving of the Holy Spirit because of our... Here's our actions. Our choice. We make a choice. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. But because He is near, I will not fear. Right? And a lot of what we do, we do it because I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of how I'll be perceived or how whatever. I'm, I end up being afraid and so therefore I will do this. This is my... My shield, this is my protection. I'm afraid, so that I'm going to do this. I'm going to kind of back away. I, I won't, you know, I won't be around these kind of people. Whatever it is. Fear causes a lot of extra problems in your life. Identify what the fear is and give it to the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. Cast, cast those things at His feet. Trust Him. Because He is near, I will not fear. Because He is near, I can yield my life and my way to Him. Because He is near, I release my resentments. 
Oh. Yeah? Release your resentments because he's he's Lord and he's near. Release because he's near. I follow in living gracefully then. Okay? So, let your reasonableness, your forbearing spirit be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Next step is number four. Number four. And here's where we have, uh, I don't know how many times in counseling situations I've mentioned this to people. Verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So number four is live prayerfully. Live prayerfully. How do you do that? By going to the swap meet. <laughs> Just keep going to the swap meet. Be a swapper. Dump off the anxiety and take up prayer. Just just get into the habit. I worry all the time, right? By the way, the verse is in the present active tense, which is saying then, don't be continuously anxious. And that gives a sigh of relief to us all. We say, oh, I can be a little anxious from time to time. Well, no, but the point is, there are, you know, I think of when our our kids went off to college, right? Okay, we're, we're a little worried about that. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. There are things in this life that you'll normally just worry about. But don't you get controlled by it. Don't you do it continuously. It will mess up your life. It will undermine things. It will show that you're trying to be God. (laughs) Think about that. Why do you worry? Why do I worry? You know, I... I want to have more control in my life. And so when I don't have control, I worry. You, you, get, you get anxious. Things like that. Okay? So the, it's very clear here. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Okay? Let your request be made known to God. Swapping if we can use that as our help here, it's already happened. For those of you that are saved, it's already happened. He gave His life for you. He took your punishment and you get His what? His righteousness and salvation. So it's already happened in a sense. Now in a practical way, keep the swapping going. When you know you're worrying, that's an alarm clock going off. The worry, the anxiety, it's an alarm clock going off. Swap the, arm, the, the worry for prayer. Just immediately go to prayer. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be praying where, you know, at work. You can be praying at the ball field. You can be praying, you know, driving around town. Make the swap! <laughs> 
and remember to pray for me in that, that I'll remember to make the swap myself. And continuing with this thought, because he is near, I will not fear. Because he is near, I will trust him. Because he is near, I will swap my worries for prayer time. And it was George Mueller that said the beginning. You got to get this. If you haven't heard this, you need to hear this. George Mueller ran the orphans in London long, long ago. He said this. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And thus the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Okay. John Piper also says this about anxiety. Anxiety shows that we are too close to the world and too far from God, so don't be anxious. And the world has nothing eternal to offer you. And your loving Heavenly Father knows your needs now and forever. Okay? So, there's also a very interesting uh, passage that correlates with this, that parallels it in Matthew chapter 6 about worry that Jesus spoke about. In Matthew chapter 6. And so, moves on now to here's the here are these steps that we've taken these four steps right live in harmony live joyfully live gracefully and live prayerfully and now he comes up with this little uh we call it the subtotal at this point it's that this verse (laughs) because of this now the peace of god which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God surpasses all comprehension, surpasses all human comprehension. It's humanly unexplainable. And in the MacArthur Study Bible, some of you have that, uh, the notes there says that God's God's peace guards believers from anxiety. Doubt, fear, distress. Is that what you're facing in your life? Do you have fears like that that keep coming up? Anxieties, doubts, are those things haunting you? Then you don't have God's peace guarding your heart. How do you get it? Come back to saying, I, I'm not living prayerfully. I'm not maybe living gracefully. I'm not living joyfully. I'm not living in harmony with others. I need to ask God to show me And guide me in this way. You know, he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Your heart and your mind are equated to the the first responders. Remember that term, you know, with uh, 9-11? The first responders, your heart and your mind are the first responders to difficulty in your life. And it gets, again, to your mind. I've got to think through things. But all too often, I go off with my feelings. And we'll talk more about this next week to wrap up this, how do I stand firm in the Lord? Okay? Today and through this week, you know, talk with your family. Talk with your spouse about, am I, do I exude joy in my life? 
<laughs> no way. Maybe it's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. You, you think it through. Talk about it. Ask God for help. Living in harmony in the home. Living joyfully. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Living gracefully, living prayerfully. Let's go after these this week, okay? Let's be mindful of them. Next week we'll come back and we'll, we'll go after these next few verses in it in Philippians 4, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you are, you are the wise counselor. There's no one that knows better than you, Lord. And your spirit is the one that counsels us and leads us into truth. And Lord, when we're struggling, all too often we confess it. We run to other sources. We run to uh, other medicines and remedies. We don't come to you. We don't come to your word like we should. Help us, Lord. Help us to... Humble ourselves and come to you and your word and find great riches there and discover even greater joy in living. Lord, there's many that are struggling, struggling with the pain of life, the the difficulties of life. Lord, please show yourself strong and then help us to stand firm in the Lord. We praise you. We ask your blessing as we go now. In Jesus' precious name, amen.